This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock, a business of intercessory prayer for businesses. Learn more at MarketplaceRock.com. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. Welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. Uh, you know, there's kind of been a theme, if you guys have noticed the last couple of weeks, about really how do we find strength in the struggle through adversity? Because it's really... You know, the why, the what, and the how of leadership is incredibly important, but uh, I just, so many people have reached out to me, and there's really been a huge constraint that prevents us from just stepping into our greatness, stepping into really accomplishing what's in our heart to accomplish as a leader, and that is really about who we are. And uh, today, uh, we have Mark Gablowski on. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me, John. I'm super excited to be here. So let me share a little bit about you, and then we're going to get into, I mean, you have just a powerful story yourself and your family. Uh, You started out as an Air Force, uh, you know, and uh, I love the Air Force. I was a Navy pilot, career martial arts professional. Uh, You have a great podcast. Anybody that's going through any of the struggle, adversity, things in your life, and just trying to figure out um, how to use that your podcast is the strength through struggle podcast correct mark yes sir strength through the struggle strength through the struggle so guys that's a great one for you to tie into because um you know just talking with mark here before we got started you know mark i love your heart you're just on this mission to help other people identify those obstacles overcome them and just live life based on you know those experiences use those right to find the strength Right. So I know we're going to get into your personal story, but just there was some pretty tremendous abuse and violence um, when you were younger. And then I can't imagine getting that call when your three and a half year old son was hit by a semi truck. And, you know, one of your just what we're going to be talking about today, everybody is right. Mark just has this core belief, which I believe, right, that capacity of the human spirit is just powerful enough to overcome these challenges, right? That our home and spirit, and then personally with my story, that relationship with the Lord and being able to take those steps in faith forward uh, allowed me to overcome, to become somebody different, right? So Mark, yeah. So Mark, I'd love for you to just start and just share a little bit about, you know, share kind of your, your, your journey and some of the, the highs and lows along the way. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, John. Um, you know, I grew up in Northeast Ohio, um, working class family, small town, one, one mile end to end and a half a mile wide. Everybody knew everybody there. Pretty much all working class people, um, lower income, uh, lots of, uh, you know, it was a cultural um, community. Lots of Hungarians and Slovenians and Czechs and Italians. And uh, my grandparents came from Italy. My mom's parents came from Italy. My dad's parents came from Hungary. And so we had this kind of cultural upbringing of, uh, you know, lots of people around the table and whatnot. I would guess your dinner table conversation was a bit spirited. (laughs) <laughs> it, could, it could be, that's for <laughs> sure. And it was often crowded, too, because the aunts and uncles would just stop by any old time and cousins. And it was a great it was a great um, a great childhood in some ways. Other ways, it wasn't so great. Um, 
I experienced a bit of uh, violence and and sexual abuse growing up, and that kind of left a mark on me. And when I was about 12 years old, I was uh, watching TV on our little black and white television screen, and this show came out. It debuted, and it was called Kung Fu. And uh, Kwai Chain Kane. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. Are you familiar with that? Oh, man. That was one of my favorite shows because back then we only <laughs> what, had like three or four channels to choose from. Yep. That was like one of the channel, one of the shows I actually look forward to watching. Yeah. Every week um, uh, after that first week, I was there waiting for that show to come on because the main character, Kwai Chain Kane, or as his teachers call him, Grasshopper, he had this sense of peace and this calm about him yet he also had this these amazing skills and this power to not let people hurt him or hurt others around him and when i saw that in my heart like i wanted it uh is that something that was missing at the time mark yeah yeah i wanted that so bad because it was everything i didn't have Mm. peace calm security safety strength power um direction so i wanted it because it that's exactly what i didn't have and i've you know in my life i've found that that's often what i'm pursuing is those things i feel like i lack in um so anyhow you know we were we were dirt poor poor so that wasn't going to happen um and then i went through my teen years when i got out of high school I ended up joining the Air Force and spent about nine and a half years there. Um, And while I was overseas, I had the opportunity to, I I finally found a Kung Fu school and I had the opportunity to join. And I I remember uh, walking up the stairs to that door. It was on the second floor and standing in front of that door. And I was afraid to go in. I had gone to half a dozen other schools over the years with the intention of joining, but I never did because I was inside i was like terrified i was scared what, what was held you back scared. what was the yeah I, I thought everybody in there knew would know more than me mm. i thought i would look stupid i thought i might fail mm. um you know it was just a bunch of that uh self-consciousness and lack of confidence that i had grown up with yet that was the very thing on the other side of the door i believed in my heart if i would walk through that door i could have those things So I stood there and it dawned on me that um, the fear of what was going on in the in the other room would be nothing compared to the fear I would have to live with the rest of my life if I didn't take that step. Oh, what a great takeaway. Yeah, I just I, I couldn't stand the thought of being afraid the rest of my life. And. I chose to take a bold step forward into the dark, into the unknown. And boy, am I glad I did uh, because I got life lessons in that school and through the martial arts training that would help me help prepare me for um, even bigger challenges that I had along the way. Um, You know, when my son got hurt, you know, and the martial arts has has been a key thing in my life, but I, without my faith, I, I don't know where I would be standing. Like, I don't know if I would have even had the courage to walk through that door then. But um, so I don't want to make it sound like it's the martial arts that fixed everything. My faith is the foundation for everything. So but the martial arts has been a powerful tool in my life. Well, you know, I think there there, I think there's going to be a theme here as we talk about some of the things you've gone through. Right. And, you know, when the when the fear of staying the same 
right, is greater than the fear of change, that is when we're going to actually walk through that door and do something different. And I mean, there were so all these different times you walked up to that door, and that can almost be a metaphor probably in your life to other doors that you didn't want to open from the past, right? Because there was pain, shame, guilt behind some of those doors. You know, what do you think, you know, especially people listening, what, what gave you, I think, that courage to kind of just open that door and start to step through it when this is, you knew that this might be uh, a hard process? You know, I, I think, you know, I think I knew I, I, all along I was afraid, like I, from childhood. I lived with fear every day, whether it was, you know, fear of my father's anger or fear of public humiliation from the sexual abuse. It, I lived with fear daily and anybody who has to live with fear, you, you don't like it. I mean, like, I'm not talking about the fear of, oh, I've always wanted to go skydiving and then I go get in the plane and the plane's up here and I'm like, oh man, what did I just do? I got in a perfectly good plane and I'm going to jump out of it. But the fear of things that are out of your control. And I think at that point, you know, I, I stiffened my own spine, but I, I hate taking any credit for anything because I really believe that like God's in at work in me all the time. Yeah. And he's helping me to hear and to see and to, you know, maybe stiffen my spine and exercise some resolve in those moments. And I, I think honestly, that's where the any cur. If I've ever exercised any courage in my life, I think it's him telling me you can you can do this, Mark. This is the right thing for you. Go do it. Mm. You know, w- w- you know, when we're doing things right, it's helping us to move towards something. So, you know, what was that? What were you trying to move toward as you were making you know some of these decisions? You know, choosing to make some of these changes, Mark. I believe I was trying to move towards a normal, healthy life. Mm. Like as a child, mm-hmm. um, I never understood why the violence in my home existed. Like it, it just didn't make sense to me that I was experiencing this or my father's behavior in particular would be the way that it was. There was always something inside me saying that this this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Like there's a, this should be different and it can be different. And so there was always this unsettled feeling inside that these, this is not the way things are supposed to be and that there's a better way. And I think most, most of my good decisions have been trying to solve that problem. Like what, What's normal? What's possible? I don't want to say what's normal, but what's what's possible in the most positive way imaginable? Like, how can we live with more kindness and compassion and love? But how can we also be more successful and productive? You know, in in the martial arts, in the Chinese philosophy, there's this thing called Yang Sheng, and it means to nourish life. Mm. And I believe in my heart that. That's the real reason we're here. Or that's one of the real reasons we're here. Like we are here to nourish our life and the lives of those around us. Um, sometimes that requires a little pruning, but uh, we're really here. Our purpose is to nourish 
and to nurture life in the most positive way possible. And I was I'm trying to solve that problem since I was a kid. Yeah, well, you know, you talk about uh, Mark. You know that you know overcoming adversities, things that have happened to us. Um, you know, it's a process. It takes time to walk through that. You know, and looking back on on this, and I know this is something that's your passion to help people because you started your podcast, if I understand, because you just really kind of felt alone in this journey that you were on. Um, and what are some of the things you think that hold people back from kind of walking out that journey to overcome the adversity? I think, um, you know, you were a fighter pilot, so you were, on one level, you were trained for adversity. Like you went through specific training to prepare you to deal with adversity within a certain scope. Like, how do I do combat at Mach X or whatever um, with an adversary? And that kind of, even though they trained you, they did not solve all your problems ahead of time. I think there's another kind of adversity that, oh, and that's the adversities that we're not prepared for. Mm. You know, like, like the marriage that falls apart or the spouse that uh, is afflicted with cancer or, you know, the hit and run car accident where your child's hurt. We, those are things we are unprepared for and they're, they're adverse, they're difficult, but, um, we just don't know, we don't see it coming and we don't know how to handle it. And that's the kind of adversity that I'm, I'm concerned with because that's been the kind that I've experienced in my life. Yeah. Things that I wasn't anticipating, things that I didn't want in my life. You wanted to be a fighter pilot. You wanted to go through that adversity. I did not want to be sexually abused or uh, violently abused. I did not want my son to um, be the victim of a hit and run car accident with two semi trucks. So I think part of it is, is when we're confronted with adversity, we don't know how to navigate through it. Like we don't know the step-by-step process. And as Americans, we think there's always this uh, three steps to success or seven uh, secrets to solving all your problems. And I don't know that life actually delivers those to you. We're just not prepared for them. No, I agree. These, you know, these kind of issues, having gone through it myself, right, there's so, there's so many, you know, complexities spiritually mm-hmm. emotionally physically um you know relationships everything that you know it's not something i've ever even contemplated for and i would share with you going through this that this was much harder for my wife and my kids mm-hmm. uh going through this than it was for me i was focused on recovering and with a brain injury right i didn't even my emotions my emotional control things like this were just so it caused a lot of pain and damage that we're still working on as a family, you know, still repairing and healing that. And, you know, one thing I would mention to, you know, folks listening is um, at the accident, Dr. Dobson, James Dobson, if you, anybody's familiar with him, gave us a book called When God Doesn't Make Sense. And we read that, uh, my wife and I, it was really helpful for her just to try to put some things in context. But you know, as people are going through this, right, something, you know, happens, Mark, right? The marriage falls apart, a spouse cheats on you, there's this untimely death or accident. Um, 
when you, I mean, you've talked to a lot of people, you've gone through this yourself. How do you start thinking about it? Or, because I know you've, you talk about shifting a mindset to one of, you know, mm-hmm. appreciating lessons. I mean, that's a, that's a big bridge to gap for a lot of people, mm-hmm. especially when you're in the middle of the storm, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. And, um, it, uh, can I share with you like four steps that I now use that I believe, honestly, I believe it could fix anybody's challenge. Yeah. I'd it could get, it could get you through it. And this is what I do. I'm not kidding you. I do this on a daily basis now. So what I discovered, because I've been asking myself these questions, because when I'm sitting in a hospital, um, next to my son's bed for four months, mm. I, I ate there. I showered there. I mean, people would come and pick up my laundry, take it and wash it and, and bring it back to me. I, I did not leave his side. There was a point where I, I started to lose hope. I don't know that I was losing hope, but I was losing energy because it like things weren't changing at the rate that I was hoping that they would. And and losing hope I, is a pretty dangerous place. I mean, that leads to a pretty dark place mentally. And I'm and I'm telling you that from very personal experience. Yeah, you know, like I can't imagine going through what you went through with your own recovery, having watched my son. You know, I don't, I I can't imagine it. So this is what I discovered. When hope disappears, so does action. When I lose hope, I mean, when I really lose hope, I will stop taking action in whatever direction I was going in. And if I'm losing hope, like it's starting to slip away, I start to take less and less effective action. So for me, Hope is the key. Like without hope, I'm not going to move forward. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if it's my business, my health, my relationships. It doesn't matter what it is. I'll just, you know, like if a guy falls out of a boat in the middle of a lake and I don't know how to swim, I have no hope of helping him. So I won't take it. I'm not going to get in the water. I just won't do it. Now, on the other hand, if he falls out of the boat and I know how to swim, I have hope. I might be able to do something. I'm going to jump in the water. I'm going to try. But without that hope, I can't do anything. So what I what I figured out was with the word hope, I broke it down into four, four parts. H stands for here and now. And for anybody going through any adversity, the worst part of it is I don't like being where I'm at. And so sometimes I blame the circumstances that happened before and I'm upset about those. Or I don't know where I'm going and therefore the future's uncertain. Mm-hmm. And when I when I find myself either living in the past or living in the future of uncertainty and frustration and uh, darkness or whatever, then I don't tend to take appropriate action. But when I'm living in the here and now, when I let that H stand for the here and now, and I keep myself focused in the moment with the things that I can do as opposed to the things I have no control over um, anymore because they're in the past or in the future, then I've got a fighting chance. And that's where I start, is to just stay focused on the present moment. And the O stands for opportunity. And so, again, for me, when I my mind is confronted with an adversity or I'm feeling a little depressed about something, I start to examine my own 
circumstances for opportunities. Like, how can I improve this? What, where is the opportunity here for me to grow, for me to change, for me to improve something, for me to make the outcome as positive as possible? What did that look like during those four months when you were with your, your son, Mark? You know, for me, the opportunity was maximizing his recovery. And the mm-hmm. funny thing is, is I didn't know what that would look like. I mean, when when I got the phone call that Josh had been hurt and he was in the ICU, I, I didn't, didn't even get a phone call. I got a phone message. It was on voicemail. I didn't know anything. He was in the ICU. He was unconscious. And I went, I started driving to the hospital and I started to pray and I'm like, Lord, take care of him. You're the great healer. You knit him together in his mother's womb. You can fix everything, guide everybody's hands. As I'm praying this prayer, I got an answer and it was, he's going to be okay. It's not going to be quick. It's not going to be easy. He's going to be okay. Hmm. So quick and easy, the not quick and easy is hard to hear, but you, (laughs) (laughs) right. Yeah, right. I love the I love the two bookends. He's yeah. gonna be okay. And and honestly, I thought, well, if it's not gonna be quick, okay, well, I'm a martial artist. I've been new to martial arts all my life. I not all my life, but for the last fifteen years. Um I I know what not quick looks like. Okay. It's not gonna be easy. Okay, I grew up this way and this way and this way. I spent nine and a half years active duty military, served overseas at two different installations. Um you know, I, I know what it's, I know that martial arts isn't easy. Okay. So I know what not easy is too, but the problem was it stretched in, it stretched from a year or two years and three years, which is what I was hoping would happen into five years and seven years and 10 years. And now we're 12 years out and he's still not completely healed. Mm-hmm. So that brought me to the point where I'm like, okay, then what did God mean when he said he's going to be okay? Like maybe my definition of okay and God's definition of okay are two different things. Yeah, when I was at Craig Hospital uh, for my long recovery from my brain injury, and the doctors used this term that my wife and I hated, we just rejected, but they said it's, they called it your new normal. Right? Oh, God. Yeah. That being yes. okay, like everything was going to reset, and it was going to be a different like water level. And we're like, no, we want the water level we had before, right? Or, you know, yeah. what we had before and, you know, living in, I, I, I'm so glad you talked about living in the present, but what are just, you know, if we focused on that future that became clear to us as we recovered, that was not going to get to where we were before, right? And if that's all we focused on, man, that was an easy place to lose hope. Or why did all this happen? You know, why did I get on this horse? Um, you know, all these things that led up to this, uh, decisions the doctors had made. Uh, but you know, I think what you're sharing right here is so powerful, but also that it is a process. And I'm just thinking about everything I've done in my life from, you know, learning how to be a fighter pilot, starting companies, my marriage, man, we've been married 28 years, Mark, we're still working on it. So this is another, I don't want to say it's a skill set that you have to learn going through adversity, but going through adversity, especially at the front end of it, um, it's hard to know what to do, when to do it, Mm -hmm. how to think. Um, But I think, you know, take hope in the fact that that there, you know, that there there is a way forward. And I think for me, 
every day just trying to find something to just hope, you know, to, to hang, even if it's the teeniest little ember. Because I saw a lot of people at, at the, I was at a hospital that specialized in brain injury that, you know, they abandoned that, right? They focused mm-hmm. on the past or this uncertainty of the future. And I just saw them go down this really dark path that really scared me. And sometimes for me, like I would take my, I was, I had 25 surgeries. I had, um, I would take my pain meds once I got home after a surgery and it would only last for an hour and a half, but I only could take them every four hours. And that next two and a half hours, man, I was just focusing on how do I just get through those next five minutes? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then at the end of the day, I would say, you know what, I did that a little bit better today than yesterday. So focusing on that little bit of hope, focusing on the present for me, I think, uh, was a huge part of just walking through this without turning going to that dark place. And and the funny thing is, John, that dark place is normal. Yeah, like we great all point. great point. Mark. In those circumstances, in those circumstances, it is so normal to be angry, yes. to be depressed, to feel those dark feelings. I've been there too many times. I can't count how many times. Um, but there's still there's still hope. There's still hope. But what's normal is for me to not see it in the moment. The, the thing is, is I got to bring myself back to it. Like I have to, like you did, like I need to just get through the next five minutes. You coached yourself through it. And I'm sure there were times that your therapists and your doctors and your family were loving on you and trying to help coach you through it too. Yeah. Uh, you may not have always cooperated very well. Um, it's so frustrating and difficult going through that level of therapy. But I got to tell um, you, there were times, buddy, that I was, I was angry and, you know, God showed up at the accident, told me he was going to heal me. And I got, a, uh, I had just this epiphany. I was, I was listening to a, uh, a talk in person there by, uh, one of the, uh, Blackaby, uh, uh, I can't remember his first name, but he was just talking about spiritual Henry. strong. Yeah, Henry Blackaby, yeah. and he was talking about these spiritual strongholds. And I said, you know what I realized was, I am angry at God. Now he knows that, and I had never admitted that, and I shared that with him in prayer. And then I went back, and he showed me how that anger that had been manifesting because of everything I was going through was really causing a lot of damage to my relationship with my wife and my kids. I was being verbally abusive, didn't even realize it. And that started some really powerful healing. But I think you're right. Just acknowledging a lot of these thoughts and feelings that we have, you know, they're normal. God already knows about them. And you know what? There, there is, but there is a way to um, address it, deal with it, you know, move forward through that. And don't think you're just totally unique the fact that you know you're you're reacting to situations this way you know um navy seals go through combat and they come back some come back with you know post-traumatic stress and these are people trained in the most elite way known to man and they're still struggling Mm -hmm. and so um understanding that this is part of the deal like um being angry being depressed, like those things do come up. Uh, just understanding that that's real. One of the best things a, a dear, dear friend of mine did for me was to tell me once many years ago, Mark, you know, I know you're depressed. I just want you to know that what you're feeling, you're not crazy. 
Like people get depressed. And there's these circumstances, people get depressed. And so in that moment, I realized, wait a minute, so I'm normal? Because I was beating myself up for being depressed over circumstances that would depress anybody. Right. And you're probably saying, I should be the strong dad. I should be here for my exactly. son. I, you know, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Yep. Right. We're going to get through this. But man, you're just feeling like you've just let the energy get sucked out of you. And you, you should be better than that. Exactly. And then all that does is lead to more, uh, you know, self-flagellation. I'm just going to keep beating myself up. And, and that does no good. So, you know, um, after after the opportunity part where I'm looking for, like, how can I create an opportunity for something positive out of this? I want to jump back in. The next step, and this is really the grind that you were talking about, is perseverance. You know, it. So this no is matter three, what, right? Number yeah, three, yeah. perseverance. Yes, awesome. Sir. P is for perseverance. Um, no matter what you're going through, it's going to take work. You're going to have to remind yourself. You're going to have to persevere in maintaining your hope. You're going to have to persevere in maintaining action that will keep your hope alive as well. You know, the the word perseverance, it's broken down into two words, per, which means to push, and severe. We all know what that means, and we don't like it, and we don't like it when it shows up in our lives. But perseverance is an opportunity to, to actually become stronger, because as long as I continue to push against whatever the resistance is, that might be depression, it might be an obstacle, but as long as I'm pushing, I'm getting stronger. Mm-hmm. Like I have the opportunity to get stronger. So when I go to the gym, I push against weights. If I do a push-up, I push against the floor. I'm pushing against resistance, and that it, and resistance is necessary for strength, to gain strength. You have to have it. And so perseverance, I need to keep moving forward. But part, part of the thing for me is if I can be reminding myself that as I'm persevering, I'm getting stronger emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, relationally. It doesn't matter. I'm getting stronger. And the last ingredient, the E is enthusiasm. Now, I have committed to things in the past where I said I was committed and I started doing the work, but I didn't necessarily pour on the enthusiasm. And I always got one set of results, which were probably mediocre or okay. They were passing. But when I pour in enthusiasm, it becomes like an amplifier and a multiplier of my efforts. And it starts to bring other people who can help me into my circle because they see the energy. It starts to amplify my outcomes. What what might have been three can turn into 30 or 300. I'll, I'll give you a quick example. I did a fundraiser for uh, Children's Hospital, uh, St. Jude Children's Hospital a number of years ago. And the first year we raised well over $8,000. Second year, we raised well over nine. In the third year, it was way over 10. Um, and the fourth year, they call up and they said, hey, you know, we really appreciate what you do for us, Mark. Um, would you do consider doing another fundraiser? I said, sure. And she says, you know, you guys raised so much money. I says, really? Was that a lot of money? And she says, oh, yeah. The average fundraiser, the average kickathon from a martial arts school brings in $278. Wow. Right. Now, I'm not special. You could um, trust me, but I was enthusiastic. And when I committed to that thing, I poured 
my energy and my enthusiasm into it. And the outcome was, what is that, 300? I, I don't even know what the numbers are. I'll have to figure out the math one of these days. But in three years, we raised over $30,000 where the average the average one without enthusiasm is raising less than 1000 And that's the kind of amplifier enthusiasm becomes. Don't put any limits on yourself. Just pour yourself into it and get to wherever you can. My son, the doctors, none of them believed he would live, let alone recover. They really thought he would always be in a you know a long-term care facility, never eating, walking, talking on his own again. But I think that the enthusiasm that we poured into it has made a difference, his, mine, and everybody else's. And he's gotten so much further than what anybody anticipated. Um, I don't think it would have happened without one, me maintaining hope, and then two, like figuring out each one of these little steps along the way. Man, that's awesome. So, you know, as we as we kind of wrap up here and people have been listening and they're going through adversity, they've been through it or, or they're looking back on adversity that's happened and they're trying to look at it from a, you know, a different mindset. Um, what are just a couple final thoughts you'd like to just share with people listening right now that you've just you're just connecting at a heart level with their life? Well, if I could say anything I would say never, ever, ever, ever give up. I mean, the thoughts may come, but don't feed them. What you need to you need to feed this instead. You've got what it takes. Like I believe at the core of my being that whoever's listening to this podcast, whenever it is in the future, that you personally, you person listening, you have what it takes. And number two, you're not alone. You really are not alone. I know sometimes it feels like it, but you are not alone. Um, yeah, it would be those two things. And You've also, got what it takes and you're not alone. Well, you know, I think also those of us listening who know people going through adversity, some of the things you talked about before, right? An illness, a death, uh, um, you know, a marriage, you know, all these things that are, right, just sometimes don't make sense. You can be that person to help somebody also feel that they're not alone, you know, that they have some steps. And I, I like how you broke this down, right? The here and now and the opportunity um, to look at those, you know, in that circumstance, in that presence, right? Perseverance and enthusiasm. And um, I really appreciate you just taking the time coming on and sharing today, Mark. And how do people get in touch with you, connect to your, your website, your podcast? Yeah, you bet. Um, all you have to do is go to Mark Gobloski, G-O-B-L-O-W-S-K-Y, S-K-Y, sorry, dot com slash eternal leadership. And when you opt in there, I'm going to send you a chapter to my book and um, also the four steps for maintaining hope. Awesome. Thank you. And hey, folks, you know, tie into that, tie into Mark's uh, podcast, Strength uh, Through Your Struggle, and um, do this for yourself. And also I, I just, I just say as somebody who's gone through this, uh, the people that have poured into our life that brought us meals that stopped by just to talk to, we had some friends, you know, instead of asking somebody, Hey, how can I help? Think of if you were in that situation, we had uh, a couple different times, Mark, people just came over and said, hey, you know what? 
you take John to the hospital today, and when you get home, we're going to clean the whole house for you and do your laundry. I got to tell you, for Donna, that was like one of the biggest blessings. And for her, it was like, you know what, I'm, I'm not in this alone. Because I think she felt way more alone sometimes than even I did after that first month when all the family flew in and everybody was here and everybody was trying to help. And, you know, and it's honestly after that first month or two that it's actually even harder and you feel more alone because that, I think from the outside world, some of the urgency, it feels like some of the urgency has dropped, but it hasn't dropped for the people going through it. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I, man, I'm glad you said that because the grind is afterwards. The grind yeah. is a month is a month afterwards, whether it's a, a death, a divorce, um, an injury, illness, long term, it's the month afterwards. So yeah. yeah, get in there. That's beautiful, John. Well, guys, connect with Mark, Mark Goblowski, uh, forward slash eternal leadership. Check out Mark's podcast. I would really encourage you to do that. And Mark, just thank you for just sharing this message, you know, putting yourself out there and for the work you're doing. If there's anything myself or anybody in our community can do for you personally, um, man, let me know. Yeah, you bet. Thanks so much for having me, John. Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. As I said at the top, this edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock. Is there something that feels like it's blocking your business? The team at Marketplace Rock partners with you in unearthing those things that could be holding you back through intercessory prayer. Just earlier this year, Vicki told me while she was praying, she heard from me to water the seeds. I knew exactly what it meant and got some business out of it. Another time she was praying and accurately described one of our dogs who turned out needed medical attention. John and I can't recommend the team at Marketplace Rock highly enough. In fact, our phone calls with them are the highlight of our week. Visit them online, marketplacerock.com, or listen to either of Amy Everett's past interviews with us, episodes four and 66 marketplacerock.com. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. Eternal Leadership.